chapter number 5, and I want to bring your attention to a specific verse there in Ephesians 5. If you look down at verse number 18, Ephesians chapter 5, and look at verse number 18, the Bible says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. We've been going through a series on Sunday morning uh, since the new year started on the subject of separation, and we've dealt with all sorts of uh, fun subjects. We talked about alcohol, and we talked about clothing, we talked about uh, relationships like fornication and things that Christians should not be a part of. Uh, last week, we talked about entertainment and the media and television and the social media and, and just kind of guidelines for Christianity in, in that sense. Today, we're finishing the series on separation. Next Sunday morning, we're going to be dealing with a totally different subject. We'll be done with separation. You made it through the separation series, so good for you. Uh, well, if you can make it through to this morning, I guess, we'll have to see. But uh, today, I want to deal with the subject of music. And I want to talk about music and separation in regards to music. We, we started with this idea, and for those of you that haven't been with us, maybe it's your first time here, you're kind of coming in at the, at, it's like you're coming in at the end of the movie, you know what I mean? You, you have to kind of catch up and figure out what's going on. We started uh, several weeks ago with this idea of separation. The Bible says that we are to come out from among them and be ye separate. God wants us to live separated holy lives. Not to be, not, we want to be in the world, but we don't want to be of the world. And we've been looking at principles of separation because you cannot unite that which is holy or that which is clean with that which is unholy or unclean and expect the holy to remain holy. And we have to live separated lives if we're going to be holy like God has called us uh, to live. So I want to deal with the subject of, of music this morning. And if you look down at, at that verse there, uh, just by way of introduction, I want you to understand something. When we talk about music, music is a spiritual thing. Oftentimes people think that music is not associated to the Spirit or not associated to, to God. But if you look at that verse again, those two verses, Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And he says, But be filled with the Spirit. Now notice verse 19 is in the context of verse 18. He tells us to be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, here's how you're going to do it. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There you see that God connects these two thoughts, these idea of being filled with the Spirit and then singing to yourselves. Now, God gives us there three different types of, of music, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sometimes it's hard to discern what a psalm is or a hymn is, what a spiritual song is. Uh, sometimes it's hard to kind of see what God means uh, by those things. So, someone said this, just for your own uh, information, a psalm would be like when you put uh, scripture to music. You know, sometimes, and it's not just psalm like the book of psalms, but any, any scripture that you would put to music would be considered a psalm. Sometimes in our course of the week, we'll sing from the book of psalms, we'll sing the song, the song, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's actually taking a scripture verse and putting it to music, and we sing it as a psalm. A hymn would be a song that is not a scripture verse, but that holds a lot of doctrine in it. Those are the hymns that we sing from the hymn book. They, they teach a lot of doctrine. You know, one of the songs we sing a lot is, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 
Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And notice the doctrine in that song. Heir of salvation, purchase of blood, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. I mean, it's teaching you doctrinal type things. A spiritual song, someone said a spiritual song, would maybe be a song of praise. One of the songs uh, Miss Michelle was playing uh, for the offering, the song Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, we, we have that as one of our courses of the, of the week. We'll, we'll sing, God never moves without purpose or plan when trying a servant or molding a man. And it talks about rejoicing in the Lord. Those are the types of songs that God tells us will help you to be filled with the Spirit of God. But here's what I want you to understand. Keep your finger there in Ephesians 5. We're going to come right back to it. But go with me to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter number 28. Now, Ezekiel is one of those Old Testament prophets. Uh, It's a big book. If you can find towards the end of the Old Testament, the big books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, then you got a small book, Lamentations, then you got the book of Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel 28, and I want you to notice, we'll start reading in verse number 13. Not only does, does God have music, that spiritual music, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, but you got to understand this. There's another spirit that also creates music, an evil spirit or a dark spirit. Are you there in Ezekiel 28? I want you to look at this passage. Ezekiel 28, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28, and look at verse number 13. We'll just uh, start at verse 13. You can read the entire passage on your own if you'd like uh, to get the entire context, but we'll read enough for you to get the context. I want you to notice in Ezekiel 28, 13, the Bible says this, Thou has been in Eden. Now, here's the question we're trying to answer. Who is this thou who God is referring to? Now, he says, thou has been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, you remember the garden of Eden all the way back in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And God is referring to someone who was in Eden. Now, according to the scriptural account of the garden of Eden, there were only three individuals that were in the garden of Eden. It was Adam. It was Eve. And, of course, it was Satan himself in the form of a serpent. So the Bible says, thou has been in Eden... In the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, the gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Notice verse 14. It gives us some idea of who he's referring to. He says, thou art the anointed cherub. Now, we know it's not Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve were people. They were human beings. He's referring to someone who's an angelic being. And we know that Satan was an angelic uh, being. The Bible says that he's transformed into an angel of light. And we know that he, he was created by God. So the context here is about Satan. It says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou was walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Notice verse 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. So I want you to understand, the person being referred to here is Satan himself. Now, here's why that's important. Because at the end of verse number 13, notice verse number 13, it says, the workmanship of thy tablets and thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. The Bible says that in the body of Satan himself, when he was created, his body was created as a musical instrument. I mean, notice what it says. It says, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes. Those are, those are parts that belong to a musical instrument. He says, was prepared in thee. 
Bible says, the, the, the Bible teaches us that Satan's body, his body is a musical instrument. And in fact, he was created uh, to, to, to bring music forth, to praise the Lord, to praise God. But of course, verse 15, the last part of verse 15, iniquity was found in thee. We know that Satan fell and Satan sinned. And here's the whole point I'm trying to make. If, if there's anyone who's an expert on music, it's Satan. I mean, he was created as a musical being. His body is a musical instrument. His body creates music. And here's what I want you to understand. Go back to Ephesians 5. God tells us to be filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? By speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But you've got to understand, Satan is an expert with music as well. And when it comes to music, we need to be careful to discern if music is coming from God or if music is coming from Satan. Because not all music is good music. Some people today will teach that music is amoral, that it's not moral, it's not good or bad, it's just music. What makes it good or bad are the words associated to it. And the Bible doesn't teach that, and we we might get into that a little bit this morning if we have time. Are you there in Ephesians chapter 5? Look up at verse number 8. I want you to understand uh, the purpose of the sermon this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, and look at verse number 8. Ephesians 5, 8, the Bible says this, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's separation. You were in darkness, but now you're in light. He says, so because you are now in light, he says, walk as children of light. He says, we ought to walk in the light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness, in truth. Notice verse number 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now here's what I want you to understand. And here's my goal as a pastor. My goal as a pastor is to help develop you as a Christian who's able to discern between good and bad. My goal is not for me to simply tell you what to do or how to live or what music to listen to and what's good or what's not good. My goal is to help you mature to the place where you can study the Bible on your own and you can make your own decisions. Because here's the thing. If you come up to me and ask me, you know, here, let me say this. I, what I don't need is 100 plus people coming to me every day and asking, is this song okay? Is this, is this group Okay. Hey, what about this, this, you know, what, what, what about this pastor? And here's the thing, you don't want to ask me that question because 99.9% of the time the answer is going to be no, it's not okay, okay? You know, it's bad, you know, whatever. Be, uh, my standards may be a little higher than you may want them to be. But if you look at verse 10, the Bible says this is what we ought to be doing, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Your job is to prove, to look at something and say, is this acceptable unto God? Look at verse 11, and have no fellowship. Why do we prove what is acceptable to God? Why do we judge? Is this good? Is this bad? Is this pleasing to God? Is this God honoring or Christ honoring or is it not? Here's why we do it, that we may have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. All right? You're there in Ephesians. Go to the book of Philippians. One book over. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse number 10. Philippians chapter number 1. And look at verse number 10. Now do me a favor. Put a bulletin or a bookmark or a ribbon in Philippians because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. All right? So I want you to be able to get to it quickly. We're going to look at a lot of passages this morning like we always do. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says. 
that ye may approve. Do you see that? That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The purpose of approving things that are excellent is so that we may be without offense till the day of Christ. We are to discern. We are to judge. We are to approve. We are to say, is this acceptable unto the Lord? Is this something that God would approve of? Is this something that is excellent? All right. Now keep your finger there in Philippians. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. You're in Philippians. You're going to go past Colossians. Past First and Second Thessalonians, past First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and go into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number five, and look at verse number uh, fourteen. Hebrews chapter number five, and look at verse number fourteen. Hebrews five fourteen. Notice what the Bible says. But strong meat. This is how, he's using the analogy of eating, but talking about a, a mature Christian versus an immature Christian. He says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. He says, if you're older, you eat meat. Now, if you're a baby, you're eating Gerber's baby food. You're eating mashed up potatoes, right? You're eating mashed up carrots. But if, if, you're, if you've grown up a little bit, if you've matured a little bit, if you've grown in some spiritual teeth, then you can sink into some meat. And that, by the way, that's Verity Baptist Church. We, we, gave you the word, we gave you the word of God in heavy doses. And here it says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use, have their senses exercised to do what? To discern both good and evil. See, my job as a pastor is try to help you and feed you, not to tell you, here's how you ought to dress, but I give you some principles so you can say, is this how God would want me to dress? Not to tell you, here, you know, here's how you ought to eat or here's what you ought to drink, but to have some principles and say, is this honoring to God? And when it comes to music, I don't want to tell you, this is good music, this is bad music, but here's what I'd like to do. I want to give you three questions that you should ask. When discerning, when approving, when deciding, is this music that is Christ-honoring, God-honoring music, or is this music that it came from Satan? I want to give you three questions that you can ask. I'd encourage you to write these questions down. And if you're ever listening to music or you got a question about music, you can maybe refer to these questions and ask yourself, how can I discern? How? And by the way, at the, you, you may not agree with the sermon, and that's okay. You may not like the sermon, that's fine too. But at the very least, what you'll learn is why, how we choose the music we sing and, and have here at Verity Baptist Church. And at least it'll ex- explain to you why we sing the old hymns and why we sing the music that we do. So, number one, the first question you ought to ask when discerning music is this. What does that music promote? What does that music promote? Now, did you keep your place in Philippians? Do you have your finger there in Philippians? If you go back to Philippians, the very next book is the book of Colossians. Uh, Go to Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. If you kept your place in Philippians, the next book is Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16. The first question we want to ask when it comes to discerning or approving, you know, is this music that is honoring to God? Am I able to discern this music as being good or evil? The first question you want to ask is, what does this music promote? And here's what you got to understand about music. Music is an instructor. It teaches. Are you there in Colossians 3? Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now notice these words. Teaching and admonishing. Admonishing means to like encourage. It means to like polish someone. Try to help them become better. To, to give them counsel. He says teaching and admonishing, teaching and counseling one another how in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. One of the best ways to learn something is to put it to music. 
You know, if you want to memorize verses, Brother Stucky was telling me he was memorizing some, some verses and he was putting them to music. You ever get a song stuck in your head and you, and you can't get it out of your head? You know, music has this amazing ability of getting, you know, into your mind. It, it's a great instructor. It's a great teacher. It, it, it helps you. Music is an instructor. But here's what you got to understand. Good music will teach you good things. Worldly music will teach you worldly things. Sinful music will teach you sinful things. You're there in, in Philippians. Uh, go, go to the book of 1 John. We saw this uh, before. If, if, if we were just in Hebrews, if you can find Hebrews again, you go past the book of James, First and Second Peter, into the book of 1 John. 1 John is right at the end of the New Testament. If you're going backwards, you got Revelation, Jude, and uh, you got First, Second, and Third John. First uh, John chapter number 2. We've looked at these verses a lot uh, lately as we've been going through our separation series, but I want you to look at them again. 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 15. The Bible says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now look, there's, there's no if, and, or buts about, about it. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. He says, love not the world. He says, neither the things that are in the world. Notice verse 16, for all, for all. It doesn't say for for some, it doesn't say for most, it says for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Look, music that comes from the world has these elements to it. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And I would encourage anybody to stand up and, and, and try to debate otherwise. I would not encourage you to watch a music video today. I don't think it would be profitable for you spiritually. But if you watch the music video today of today's, you know, the, the music of today, you know what would characterize that music video? The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. I mean, is that not what the music industry today is about? about women dressed immodestly, about covetousness and money, about drinking alcohol, about smoking pot. I mean, the music of today, the, I'm talking about the worldly music, the MTV, the stuff on the rock and roll station, the, 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 the rap music, the hip-hop music, it all promotes the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, because that's what the world promotes. That's what the world's about. And when you sit there and you listen to that and bring it in, you, you, some, some of your parents say, I don't understand why my children are so worldly. Maybe it's because you allow them, to, allow them to listen to worldly music. And it's teaching them and admonishing them, not in psalms, not in hymns, not in spiritual songs, but in the things of this world. And see, the first question you got to ask yourself when it comes to music is what does this music promote? Because all music is spiritual. And it either comes from the Spirit of God or it comes from Satan, the spirit of this world. And by the way, that's why famous artists include a lot of satanic spirit to their music. That's why a lot of famous uh, uh, artists will, will, will have a lot of, of Satanism and, and uplifting and promoting Satan uh, in, their, in their music. I, I've got some uh, interesting facts here for you. Led Zeppelin, the guitarist, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin's guitarist, Jimmy Page, uh, wrote the number 666 on his pants at concerts and uh, bought the house of a famous Satan worshiper, uh, Aleister Crawley. ACDC singer Bon Scott drank himself to death, and the first song on the next album of ACDC was called Hell's Bells in honor of their singer who was now in hell. 
Mick Jagger, in his song, Sympathy for the Devil, portrayed himself as the devil, and the song has these lyrics. I have been around for a long, long year, stole many a man's souls and faith, and I was round when Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain. David uh, Bowie, uh, who recently died, wrote a song four days before he died called Lazarus. In the song, he was in a deathbed and basically resurrected himself, which was a mock of Lazarus being resurrected uh, in the Bible. In the song, he has these lyrics, look up here, I'm in heaven. John Lennon from the Beatles, his most famous song entitled Imagine has these lyrics, imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try, no hell below us, above us only sky, imagine all the people living for today. And here's the question, and you say, well, why, why do all these famous, you know, rock stars, and why do all these famous singers, you know, why, here's the question I have for you. Show me the famous rock star. I mean, show me the guy who's just topping the charts today. Show me the gal who's just topping the charts today, who stands up and says, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the Word of God. I love purity. I love the things of God. I think you ought to live a righteous and holy life. I'm a soul winner. I'm in church on Sunday. Show me that guy. He's not around. She's not around. The singers and the artists of today are all derelicts. They're all drunkards. They're all drug addicts. They're all promoting uh, fornication. They're promoting pornography. They're they're promoting everything that goes against God. So the question you got to ask yourself is, you know, while discerning is this godly music, is this God's music, you got to ask yourself, what is this music promoting? What is it promoting? And And by the way, it's not just rock music. Today, Christians have this idea, you know, uh, a lot of Christians get this idea, oh, you know, rock music is, is evil, but country music, that's wholesome. <laughs> One of the most famous country songs by Brooks and Dunn was called Red Dirt Road. It has lyrics that say this, it's where I drank my first beer, it's where I found Jesus. Isn't that blasphemous? Where I drank my first beer is the same place where you found Jesus. That's your, country, that's your wholesome country music of today. Guess what? The country music of today promotes alcohol, just like rock and roll does. Just like hip-hop and rap does. Promotes fornication, just like they all do. Because look, all that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. And it promotes the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. So the first question you got to ask yourself is, what does this music promote? Is this music promoting? Is this music instructing? Is this music teaching me things that are godly, that are Christ-honoring, that are God-honoring? Or is it promoting something that goes against God? Because if it's promoting something that goes against God... It probably didn't come from God. Now, and I go with me to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number uh, 16, 1 Samuel chapter number 16, and look at verse number 14, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and verse number 14, and let's, you say, well, pastor, you know, we're in church, of course, we would expect you to preach against uh, rock music and country music, this is a fundamental Baptist church, but let's talk about Christian music, and specifically contemporary Christian music. Because today, uh, many people will come to me and say, you know, why, your, your church, you know, uh, I like the preaching, I like the people, but those old hymns, you know, you got to bring in some, con- some newer stuff, some contemporary uh, Christian music to, to help us out. But here's the question I got to ask you. What does that music promote? Now, it's interesting because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you have an illustration of what I think uh, illustrates well uh, the contemporary Christian movement. 1 Samuel chapter number 16, look at verse number 14. 1 Samuel chapter number 16 and verse 14, the Bible says this. We've, we've been studying this recently on Wednesday nights as we've been sort of going through the book of 1 Samuel. So this will be review for some of you. But in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 14, the Bible says this. 
But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. You remember, Saul was not right with God. Saul had pride and, and issues with God, and, and God had sent him an evil spirit to trouble him. Verse 15, And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hands, and thou shalt be well. So here's what they said. They said, You have a guilt problem. You have a sin problem. You have an issue with God. And they said, Instead of telling him, Why don't you get right with God? Why don't you get the sin out of your life? Why don't you humble yourself and ask God to forgive you and and start walking with God? They said, why don't we bring in a musician that will sing some spiritual songs? It was David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I mean, the man who wrote most of the psalms of the book of Psalms. You can't tell me he wasn't playing Christ-honoring music. They said, let's bring in a Christian music uh, person to to, to sing and to play music to you, and that will help you feel better. And it worked. Look at verse 19. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass, laden with bread and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, verse 23, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And it it worked for a minute. It worked for a service. It worked for a Sunday. But notice what happens later on. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse number 10. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 10. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. He came back. And he prophesied in the midst of the house of David, in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. So they they said, oh, he's he's, he's at it again. He's got that evil spirit again. Bring David back in. Let's start that music back up. And he played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of the, the presence twice. He tried to kill him twice. Now, here's the question I have. Did it work the second time? The answer is no. Here's what you gotta understand. Music doesn't make you feel spiritual. Being right with God makes you feel spiritual. But music will help you feel spiritual for a moment. And and here's a question I have for those of you that think we ought to have contemporary Christian music at our church. Show me the contemporary church that has contemporary Christian music today. Show me the church that's got the rock band, the rock concert, the drum set that has the contemporary Christian music of today. Show me the, the Rick Warren church. Show me the, you know, the, the big, you know, fun, mega rock concert church that in it has people that are living separated life, that are giving their lives to the work of God, that are reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would submit to you that it does not exist. It doesn't exist. And if you don't believe me, come out soul winning with me. We'll knock on their doors. We'll talk to the people from those churches. You know what those churches are filled with? They're filled with a bunch of people that are living in fornication. They're filled with a bunch of people that are living as drunkards. They're filled with a bunch of people that are watching trash on the internet, trash on their televisions. They're living just like the world. There's nothing different with their life. But they come to church on a Sunday morning, raise their hands, get all spiritual about God. Because the music makes them feel good. And the evil spirit departs for a season. But guess what? The evil spirit comes back. 
Because music doesn't make you spiritual. Being right with God makes you spiritual. And living for God makes you spiritual. And doing right makes you spiritual. And we're not, we're, you say, well, the, the music doesn't make, help me feel spiritual. That's not what we're trying to help. We're not trying to make you feel spiritual with the music. We're trying to teach you and admonish you the things of God. You say, well, the sermon doesn't help me either. I'm not trying to make you feel spiritual. Why would I try to make you feel spiritual when you're not? My, my job is to help you identify the sin in your life so you can remove it and draw closer to God. That'll help you feel spiritual. Walking with God, that'll help you feel spiritual. Reading the Word of God, that'll help you feel spiritual. Praying and walking and living and loving the Lord Jesus Christ, that'll help you feel spiritual. Music is not meant to help you <coughs> feel spiritual. Number one, the first question we ask when it comes to music, what does this music promote? Is it promote? Look, if you're listening to music and the rock artist has 666 on his pant leg, what do you think he's promoting? What do you think he's, he's, he's advancing? What do you think his agenda is? So number one, what does this music promote? Number two, go with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number seven. Matthew chapter number seven. In the New Testament, you got the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number seven. Look at verse number 15. First question is this. What does this music promote? Second question is this. What does this music produce? What does this music produce? Are you there in Matthew chapter 7? Look at verse number 15. I'd like to show you a principle in Scripture that's often taken out of context, but let's look at it in its context. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. The Bible says this, Beware of false prophets. Now, what's a prophet? A prophet is a preacher. It's a teacher. It's someone who's instructing. He says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. He said, Beware of of a prophet who's actually a wolf, but he looks like a sheep. All right? You want to be careful with those. Notice verse 16. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Who's ever heard that phrase before? Now, here's where most people apply this verse. They'll look at a Christian who's, who maybe just got saved, or maybe a Christian who they want to say is not saved, and they'll say, well, I don't think they're saved because, you know, by their fruits you shall know them. But is that the context of that phrase? The context of that phrase is not to discern whether someone is saved or not. The context of the phrase is to discern whether someone is a false prophet or not. Do you understand that? See, the way you discern, you say, how do you know if Billy Graham's a good preacher or a bad preacher? How do you know if Joe Lowstein's a good preacher or a bad preacher? How do you know if Rick Warren's a good preacher or a bad preacher? Hey, how do you know if Pastor Jimenez is a good preacher or a bad preacher? Well, here's how you know. According to Jesus, verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. See, anyone who teaches, anyone who instructs, should be known by what they produce. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Do thorns produce grapes or figs of thistles do thistles produce figs even so verse 17 every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit now look a good tree is going to bring forth good tree Uh, a corrupt tree is going to bring forth evil fruit an apple tree will produce apples all right you want to know if pastor man is a good preacher talk to my fruit talk to what i produce Talk to people in this church. Ask them if they're saved. Ask them if they know the Bible. Ask them Bible questions, you know. Now, now look, it's not 100%. Obviously, look, we've got some rotten apples in this church, right? Don't you you want to, you, you say, well, which, which one should I? Let me tell you which one's not to talk to, okay? I'll let you know. But, but here's the thing. By and large, look, if, 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 if I knock on 100 people's door, they all go to the same church, and every single one of them is not saved, every single one of them does, believes you can lose your salvation, guess what? That tree is a bad tree. Because by their fruits, you shall know them. See, the way you judge a prophet 
an instructor, a teacher, is by judging what they produce, the fruit that comes from them. Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. That's what Jesus said. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not good, uh, forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Okay, so here's the thing. The first point we made was this. Music is an instructor. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. See, music is a teacher, just like Pastor Jimenez is, just like any prophet is. So how do you discern what good or bad music is? Here's how you discern it. What fruit does that music produce? What comes as a result of that music? You know, uh, you know and, and ask yourself, you know, this rock and roll music of today, what does it produce? Does it produce happy, cheerful people that love God and love the Lord and love their wives? I mean, does it produce, here's the thing, here's the funny thing, the, the singers, you know, I've got some, some uh, uh, names here, famous singers who died before the age 30, I'm 30 years old, so famous people who did not even make it to my age by either alcohol, drugs, or suicide, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, Hank Williams Sr., Amy Winehouse, uh, Janis Joplin, these are the people sitting, you say, well, if this music brought such, such great joy to their lives, why are they all killing themselves before they even 30? Why are they all drinking themselves and doping themselves to death? The question is, what does this music produce? Is, is what this music produced? Look, if, if, if there's a group of teenagers that are all listening to the same music and they're all dressed in black, they're all putting black nail polish on their hands, they're all putting black lipstick on their lips, they're all, you know, depressed and sad and cutting their wrists, hey, that might just be bad music. It might be producing something that's not good, something that's not honoring to Christ. So here's what you want to judge. If you say, well, I got my country music. If it produces a bunch of hillbillies and, 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 and you know, cowboy hats, and I'm not against cowboy hats, and I'm not against hillbillies, but they're all drunkards and they're all fornicators, it's bad music. Amen. If it's producing something bad, then it's a bad tree. Amen. You know, going back to what does contemporary Christian music produce? You know, and here's what people say. People say, Pastor Jimenez, you know, if we could just get your type of just hard, you know, biblical teaching, preaching, and match it up. I've had so many people say this to me. And, and match it up to contemporary Christian music and say, we could have like a thousand people in this church. But here's what you don't understand. You, if we bring in that music, my preaching would get shallow. Because that's what that music produces. See, if you want the deep, biblical, hard-nosed, you know, preaching, you've got to have the old hymns. You've got to have the doctrinal sermons go alongside with doctrinal songs. And the reason that these guys get up for 15 minutes and give you a sermonette and never preach anything, never say anything, never help you with anything, is because their music's shallow, so they're shallow. It's what it produces. So you've got to ask yourself this question. What does the music produce? Does the music that you're trying to listen to produce godly spiritual things? And by the way, c contemporary Christian music is right there with the rock and roll and rap music and all that of this world. Uh, a guy named Mylon Laferve, he's a famous Christian rock artist who uh, entitled his album Sheep and Wolf's Clothing. Now look, Jesus said, be careful about the wolf and sheep's clothing. This guy says, I'm a sheep, but I'm going to get myself in wolf's clothes. And here's what he's trying to say. We've got to try to act like the world, to reach the world. 
Now look, let me show you uh, uh, the verse I'd like to go to to prove that, and I'll show you what the Bible says. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're there in Matthew, you go past Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse number 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 20. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians 9.20. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And look at verse number 20. The Bible says, this is what the contemporary Christian movement will often go to this verse to try to prove why they think it's okay to bring in the world's music to the house of God. 1 Corinthians 9.20. Notice what it says. And unto, the Jew, and unto the Jew I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. And to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And they'll say, see, see right there. Paul says, I can become, you know, to the Jew, I can become like a Jew. To the weak, I can become like a weak. If I want to reach the rap crowd of this world, and I just bring in hip-hop music into the house of God, we'll just change the words. We'll make it about Jesus. I want to reach the rock music crowd. We'll bring in the rock music. We'll just change the words, make it about Jesus. Whoever I want to reach, I'll just start acting like them. I'll be a sheep in wolf's clothing. That's the agenda of the contemporary Christian music. But notice what the Bible says. See, here's the problem with the Bible. It messes up all your cute doctrines. Because notice what he says in verse 21. To them that are without the law as without the law. Notice, being not without law to God. Here's, here's what he's trying to say. I go out, look, if I go out soul winning, sometimes we go out soul winning, I knock on the door. They, the door opens and it just smells like pot. And it just smells like these people are just getting high. You know, so what do I do? I call the police. No, that's stupid. I don't call the police. I try to give them the gospel. Say, well, do you think it's okay to, 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 to smoke pot? I don't think it's okay to smoke pot. But, get, but guess what? To they that are without the law, I'll become as without the law, but not without the law to God. I'm not going to call the cops on them because they're doing something that maybe is illegal. But am I going to do something wrong that goes against what God tells me I, sh I should do? No. See, Paul said, I become all things to all men, but he doesn't say, I then sin against the law of God. He said, I'm always under the law of God. I mean, notice what he says, verse number 20. And unto the Jew, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. He said, I'm always under the law of God. I always have to make sure what I'm doing is something that is pleasing to God. DC Talk in their famous music video, Jesus Freak, it was directed by Simon Maxwell, who also did the satanic video, Hurt, by Nine Inch Nails. Now, you think God was pleased with that? You think God is okay with taking a guy who made a satanic video for Nine Inch Nails and then saying, well, we're going to use you to help us reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Look, we're always under the law of God. We can't just throw away biblical principles and say, well, as long as we're trying to reach people, anything goes. No. We must always live a separated life. We must always do right. We must always do what God tells us to do and never be under the law to God. And look, the contemporary Christian music of today says forget the Bible, forget doctrine. Let's just do anything we can to reach people. We're not going to do everything we can to reach people at Verity Baptist Church. We're going to do everything we can to reach people while being Christ-honoring. By being right with God, by not 
going against the word of God. And see, today, the, move, the, the, the contemporary Christian music of today says, forget God, forget what God says. Let's just be just like the world so we can reach the world. Larry Norman, who's one of the pioneers of the Christian rock movement, wrote this in one of his songs. He says, I ain't knocking the hymns, just give me a song that has a beat. I ain't knocking the hymns, just give me a song that moves my feet. I don't like none of those funeral marches. I ain't dead yet. Here's what he's saying. I want music that appeals to my flesh. I want music that makes my body feel good, that makes my body want to move. Look, when people walk into Verity Baptist Church and say to me, your music is weird, I think, praise the Lord, because you're crazy. People say, your music is so different, so odd. I think, glory to God, because the world is insane. I mean, people come in here, they think it's okay for a man to sleep with another man. They think it's okay to just drink your way to death. They think it's okay to just live like the world, to act like the world. They think, you know, abortion is okay. They're crazy. And then when they come in here and they're like, whoa, this church is crazy. I think, praise God. The last thing I'm trying to be like is that stinking world out there. The last thing I'm trying to be like is the craziness out there. I'm glad that people think this preaching and this music is different. I'm glad people think we're different. Because God called us to be a peculiar people. God called us to be different. God called us to be holy. God called us to be different than than this world. So you've got to ask yourself this question. What does this music produce? We said, number one, what does that music promote? Number two, what does that music produce? Number three. And by the way, there's people in our church that have spent years in those contemporary Christian music uh, churches, and you know it's true. People, come, people every week come up to me and say, I've learned more in the year that I've been coming to Verity Baptist Church than the 10 years I spent at that other church. And here's why. Because they had shallow music, they had shallow preaching, they don't care what the Bible says. So what does that music promote? Number one. What does that music produce? Number two. Number three. What is that music patterned after? What is that music patterned after? Go to Romans chapter number 12. We've looked at these verses already, but let's look at them together. If you're in 1 Corinthians, just go backwards into the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. Separation series is almost over. It's going to be done in 15 minutes, all right? Next week, next week, next week is Valentine's Day. So it's very likely that the sermon will be positive. So we invite you to be back with us for... uh, I'm not making any promises, I'm just saying. (laughs) Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. Romans 12, 1. We've seen these verses, but let's look at them together. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, that's what we're talking about, acceptable unto God. It's the only way to be acceptable unto God is holy, which is your reasonable service. A holy God cannot accept that which is unholy. If you're going to give yourself, if you're going to uh, give yourself, present yourself as a living sacrifice, you must present yourself holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Here's how you become holy. By not being conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, here's what God says. If you want to be holy, you want to offer me something that's acceptable? He says, make sure it's not conformed to this world. What does conform mean? It means to be patterned after. See, when we, when, when we look at, for music at Verity Baptist Church, here's the question I ask myself. I ask myself, does that music remind me of the world's music? 
Is it patterned to the world's music? Is it conformed? Sometimes people will write, I've had people write music here uh, within our church family and bring me papers and say, here, you should sing this for the course of the week. And I'll have them sing it for me. And I have to say, I can't use that music. And sometimes I don't say this to their face, but I think, I can't use that music. Here's why. It sounds like the world's music. And we're not going to have music that is conformed to this world. We're not going to have music that is patterned after this world. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's the question. The contemporary Christian music of today, guess what? It's made to sound like the current music of the world. Someone said this, God does not run his train on Satan's tracks. Look, God God is not up in heaven. And he thinks to himself, whoa, why did I not think about gangster rap? I mean, why didn't I think about Snoop Dogg? Why didn't I think, I mean, we could have been using, we could have been using this the whole time to reach people. God, God's not doing that. God isn't up there saying, why didn't I think about ACDC? Good night. This whole time, you angels, why didn't you tell me? Look, God, God doesn't look down at earth and says, well, that's a good idea. I'll use that. In fact, God says, when you try to use what the world has, he says, it's not acceptable. It's not holy. It's not pleasing to me. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. You don't have to turn here, but let me just read some verses for you. You can jot them down if you'd like. Psalm 33.3 says this, sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Psalm 40 and verse 3 says this, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. He says when we sing a new song, many shall see it and fear and they'll trust in the Lord when they hear your new song. And by the way, you got saved and you used to live a certain way. You used to listen to certain music. Guess what? People start, start noticing that your music has changed. They'll say, what happened to that person? They're a little different. They might see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Psalm 96.1 says this, O sing unto the Lord a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98.1, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Psalm 144.9 says, I will sing a new song unto thee. O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, will I sing praise unto thee. Psalm 149.1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. See, God said when you got saved, he wants to put a new song. Not the old song with new words. Not the old stuff you used to listen to in the bar and let's just change the words. And it used to be about my sweetheart. Now I'm going to make it about my sweetheart Jesus. And, and now we can use it in the church. No, he says, I want to put a new song. Here's the thing about something that's new. It's different. It ought to be different. It ought to be new. It ought to be holy. So what are, when, we, when we talk about music, what are we talking about? What should discern whether this is God, Christ, honoring music, or whether this is music of the world? Number one, what does the music promote? Number two, what does that music produce? And number three, what is that music patterned after? And when you answer those questions honestly, then you'll be able to figure out and say, is this, is this something that's honoring to God? And here's the thing, I'll be honest with you, there may be things that you listen to, and I, and I would say, that I don't, I don't think that's honoring, but look, that's not for me to say. My job is not to lord over God's heritage. I'm not here to try to approve everything you listen to, but I do think this, you ought to have some sort of a system to decide, is this honoring to Christ? Did this come from God? 
or did it come from Satan? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.